May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear. There's an author who makes a statement in her book that the most critical issue facing the church today is that we are dull. We have lost our amazement. We've lost our shine. The good news is no longer good news. She says it's okay news. Christianity, she says, is no longer life-changing and as dynamic as it once used to be. If it's true that we have become dull, it's not because of our leader. Jesus was definitely not dull. Jesus said some things that were outrageous. He said some things in today's reading that sound outrageous. In this reading, we learn how to throw a party. A married couple trying to live up to a snobbish, high-class lifestyle went to a party. The conversation came around to Mozart. Someone said, absolutely brilliant, magnificent, a genius. Well, the wife wanted to get in on this conversation, and she said, oh, yeah, Mozart, you're so right. I love him. Just this morning, I saw him going on the number five bus out to Coney Island. There was a hush. Everybody looked around the room and looked at her. Her husband was embarrassed, and he pulled her aside, and he said, we're leaving right now. Get your coat, and let's get out of here. As they drove home, he kept quiet, and finally his wife said, you're angry at me about something, aren't you? She said, he said, oh, you noticed? I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. You said you saw Mozart take the number five bus to Coney Island? Really? Don't you know that the number five bus doesn't go to Coney Island? <laughs> I wonder if any of you have ever gone to a party hoping to make a good impression. Or maybe you've thrown a party that you hoped would make a good impression on the guests as they came. There are many of the teachings of Jesus that we learn about, but if we actually follow them, we would be called eccentric and maybe radical. Today's lesson is a good example. At first, it's kind of amusing. Jesus is eating at the house of an important Pharisee. And as you know, the Pharisees were the very elite Jew, uh, religious leaders in that day. And when he noticed how the guests sat at places of honor, he told them a parable. He said, when you're invited to a wedding banquet, don't sit at the place of honor. Instead, there might be somebody more distinguished than you that, needs, that should sit in that seat. So instead, go and sit at a place, a lower, a, a spot farther away from the host. And maybe the host will say, move up higher. And then you'll be honored in the presence. Everybody will go, ooh, the host moved him up. And then he says, he ends it with these words. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Strange lesson, but so far so good. Don't look for a place of honor, he says. Instead, let a place of honor find you. Pretty good advice. It would be embarrassing if you sat down at the head table and then you realized 
that you weren't supposed to be sitting at the head table. Better idea to pick a spot out in the crowd farther away, and then when everybody's gathered, let the host seek you out and lead you to the head table where everybody watches you with envy. Nothing ground-shaking there, but interesting. It's the second part of the lesson that I think is kind of disturbing. Let's imagine that your daughter is getting married. Jesus says, and this is the Alex translation, don't invite your boss, don't invite your well-off friends to your daughter's reception. Instead, I want you to go to the worst part of town and pick up some homeless people and invite them and bring them to the wedding. How about make a list on the people, all the people on this earth that you would want at your daughter's wedding and throw it away. Instead, make another list of all the people that you would not want and invite them. Fill the hall with people who are in rags, some who haven't had a bath for a month. Now this is the word of the Lord. I expect each of you to follow this step by step if you have a daughter who's going to be married. Outrageous, right? Not everything in scripture, folks, is meant to be taken literally. This is a parable. It's a story. Jesus is making a point. What is that point that he's making in this story? Let's talk about it. First thought, it's more important what God thinks of you than what your friends or what anybody else in this world thinks of you. Let's face it. One of the most powerful motivators in our life is what will other people think? What will my, our, my friends think? Our young people live with this. Young people don't give in to their peer pressure. Don't do it. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because the popular kids in school are doing it doesn't mean that you should do it. It doesn't mean it's the healthy thing to do. It doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Let's face it, though. It takes a lot of character in a young person or an older person sometimes to say no. A study was done of teenagers and peer pressure. It was a very simple study. They brought groups of 10 into a room for this test. Each group was told to raise their hands when the teacher pointed to the longest line on three separate charts. One person in the group of 10 didn't know that the other nine had been instructed ahead of time to vote for not the longest line, but for the second longest line. Get the picture? We the kids were told ahead of time, we're not gonna tell this other guy or girl, but I want you to vote for the wrong line. So regardless of the instructions they heard, once they were all together in a group, the nine were not to vote for the longest line, only for the second. This left the 10th student being the only one who didn't know what was going on. And guess what happened? Time after time, the 10th student would look around. He was confused about why the others were pointing at the wrong line. 
But then he raised his hand. The instructions were repeated. The next card was raised. Same thing happened. Each time the self-conscious teenager would raise their hand with, with, with the same hand that everybody else did because they didn't want to challenge the group. They didn't want to be different. This happened about 75% of the time, and it was true of younger kids, too, when they brought them in for the same type of a experiment. It's hard to say no to a crowd, and being an adult doesn't make it any easier. A woman was asked on her 102nd birthday, what was the best thing about passing 100? And she said, well, that's easy. No more peer pressure. Adults are often as prone to peer pressure as young people are. What professional person doesn't want to impress his or her colleagues? Why do we throw big money on wedding receptions? To impress our friends. Why do we buy expensive cars? Why do we build nice homes? Because we care what other people think about us. Some people will go into debt for years to make a good impression on other people, and especially on their friends. Spiritual maturity comes when we reach that point in our lives when we're more interested in pleasing God than we are in pleasing other people. That, mean, that means that the right to do the right thing rather than the convenient thing or the thing that will impress others. That's a principle found in Jesus' teaching. It's more, also more important to please God than it is to make a good impression on others. Then thought number two. Doing the right thing in the long run makes the best impression, even on your friends. Jesus wants us to have the respect and the admiration of our friends, but for the right reasons. You can't buy the respect of your friends. You can't have enough trinkets and toys to get the respect of your friends. No matter how awesome your parties are, no matter how cool your house or your expensive car is, the best way to win their respect and their admiration is to live a good life and be decent and honest and kind to other people. That's the kind of thing that people remember the most. Seth Godin, in his book titled Wisdom Incorporated, gives a great example of this, a great example of this in the business world. He tells a story from the early days of an advertising agency called J. Walter Thompson Advertising. At the time, they were one of the giants in the advertising world. And Norman Strauss was the chairman of the agency in the early 1960s. Well, RCA, the big electronics company, came to Strauss with a new reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder that they had just put into production. And they wanted him and his advertising firm to work up a good advertising campaign for him. And Strauss said, well, first I need to test this thing out and see how it works. And he did. And he came back to the gentleman and said, this product doesn't work. We're not going to advertise it. And the CEO of RCA said, well, if that's, what you're gonna, if that's your point of view and that's your decision, then we're going to give that, the entire RCA account to a different agency. 
And he turned around and he started walking out of his office. Okay. Then the CEO of RCA said, wait a minute. If you feel that strongly about this, that you're willing to sacrifice this multi-million dollar account because you're not satisfied with the product, you think it's a bad product, okay, we'll fix it. And they did. So the agency kept the account. Kevin Dolan, who was a young executive at that time in the ad agency, was present for all this, for this whole conversation. And he says that this, invent, this uh, conversation, just hearing it, made a great impression on him because it meant to him that this was a company that stood for integrity and that the man at the top of the company was an honest man and a man of integrity and would not advertise something that didn't do what the advertising agency said it would do. And that impressed him so much that he worked hard to keep it that way in his own life and in the company, eventually became the CEO himself and continued to run the company in that same fashion. So you see, in the long run, doing the right thing always pays off. It always gives people, others, a good impression. And then one last thought for today, showing compassion for people who are less fortunate than you is always the right thing to do. Life is very hard for some people. Through no fault of their own, many are at a terrible disadvantage. How you think about people who have these disadvantages says a lot about the condition of your heart, your spirit. We see athletes with arms, legs, hands missing but still excelling at their sport. Stephen Hawking, great scientist, defied the odds when he was told at the age of 21 that he had ALS and he only had about a year and a half to live. Stephen Hawking lived to the age of 76 and he was one of the most brilliant scientists known to man. Next time I complain about anything, Give me a kick, will you? Many people overcome staggering challenges in their lives that you and I may not even know about. They may be walking around facing those challenges. Do people have to fit a certain image, a certain income, a certain set of accomplishments before they can be our friends? If so, I guess that makes us human, but not very much like Jesus and what he was talking about in our lesson today. On July 3rd, 1988, an American Navy cruiser thought that they were under attack by an Iranian F-14. They gunned down an Iranian airliner. You may recall when this happened. 290 passengers died in that attack. Polls showed that most Americans were against compensating those victims' families. The Iranian hostage crisis was still fresh in our minds. But President Ronald Reagan, in spite of what he knew many American people didn't want him to do, approved compensation for those families. Afterward, he was asked by reporters if those payments would send the wrong signal 
to the Iranians? And his answer was, I don't find, ever find compassion to be a bad precedent. Many of the most prominent people in our nation today seem to think compassion is a bad word. Let people work for their success just like I did. They're not bad people. They just don't have the heart of Jesus. They don't understand this concept that he was teaching. It's more important what God thinks of you and of me than what he thinks of our friends or others. In the long run, doing the right thing always makes the best impression. And showing compassion for people who are less fortunate than us is always the right thing to do. Amen.